0: Amen. You may be seated. Grab a Bible if you have one. If you don't have a Bible, we have a stack of eight or ten or so of them that we would uh, like to loan you one just for this morning, or you can take it as a gift. Just slip your hand up and we'll get that to you. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1 today, which is on page 856 in one of the Bibles that we're passing out. 856. Luke chapter 1. I hope everybody's doing okay this morning. I know we have a number of guests as we always do at this time of year, and so I wanted to say welcome to you. I'm Russell Cravens. I'm the lead pastor of Neartown Church. We're about a year and a half old. This is only our second Christmas, and so to have you with us is very special. We've been able to experience a really tremendous uh, work of God in our midst, and uh, it's been a lot of fun too. Uh, And so uh, I tell people, as they are asking about the kind of church that We've begun, maybe prior to coming here and experiencing it themselves, I tell people I started a church that I would like to go to, and, uh, and so this is it. We, we, we like the idea of, of being in the center of this great city in a really non-traditional kind of a setting, and, and talking really um, honestly about who God is and how He reveals Himself in the Scriptures. And so we spend a significant amount of time singing songs to God and confessing Jesus as Lord in song, and then we also open up God's Word. And so my effort this morning is to to help you understand what God's Word says. And we're in this Advent series, and we've joined um, many churches all over the globe. Uh, in, in the celebration of Advent, which is a traditional Christian thing, uh, celebrating Advent. And what we're doing is we're asking the question, is this the, Lord that Je- is this the year that the Lord Jesus will return? Is this the year that Jesus will come back? We look forward to Christmas just uh, two days away uh, with the same kind of anticipation, maybe, that those very first... Um, of followers, or lovers of God, as they anticipated the arrival of the Messiah. We anticipate that morning where we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And so I, I'm glad you're here. I'm going to pray, and then we're going, to, we're going to talk about this idea of joy. God, you're an awesome God, and we just love you this morning. God, as we open up your word, I just pray that you would help it to become real in people's hearts. I pray that your spirit would take the word's that you've provided to us in the Holy Scriptures, and, and sink them deeply into our souls, and, God, grow from them lives that want to love you and love others fully. God, I'm thankful for those that have come today for the very first time, and I pray that they would feel um, about being in this place, what we feel about them being here, and that is that they're family, and they could be a part of this conversation, God. We love you, and I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. So here we are talking about joy. Does anybody love almond joys like me? Yeah, raise your hand. Does anybody in here not love almond joys? Just raise your hand if you... All right. Micah, did you raise your hands for love and not love? Oh, okay, okay, yeah. So uh, as we talk about this idea of joy, I want you to enjoy that almond joy that reminds you of what we're talking about here. Well, there's three things we want to kind of talk about to get at joy. First, one, I want to answer the question, What is joy? Then, the question, Where is joy? And then, I want to tell you that joy dares to gladly acknowledge God today, believing that Sunday we will live fully in the presence of God. So, this idea of joy, it's all throughout the scriptures. And uh, to help provide some definition for it, I'll tell you that joy is an expression that bubbles from deep within. It make it possible for a person to smile or laugh and and even dance for the non-Baptists in the room uh, in the best and the worst of times. It's an expression that bubbles from deep within. I also want you to know that joy is a choice. It's a choice. You know, in the Bible, there are several instances where we hear things like rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, like you have to choose to be joyful. Another passage James 1 count it all joy as you encounter trials of various kinds. So truly joy is a choice. Now there are many instances in the scriptures where we see people rejoicing and filled with joy. Things like when somebody was married or the birth of a child. Some of you are here and you've had children and you know that feeling when that when that baby comes to the earth and A public kind of a way. I was going to say come forth, but anyway, it comes forth, and and the baby's here, and you feel great joy. You feel great excitement. I've had four children, and every one of uh, the births, I am just filled with great joy because of that little life. Uh, In the Old Testament, um, the people expressed great joy at harvest time, saw the fruit of their labor, something would happen after many months of work that would provide for them. There was excitement and there was joy throughout the Bible. Oftentimes, they were celebrated with uh, festivals and and, uh, and parties. So when we talk about joy, I very much want you to be thinking about a party. It's kind of like a party that happens deep within you that expresses itself and. Smiles and laughter and, 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 uh, and movement. I mean, it's physically manifested in your life, this joy that I'm talking about. Now, uh, the Bible more often talks about where joy comes from, and it's difficult to get at the definition of it. Um, so, so why don't we ask, ask the question, where is joy? I've already mentioned that joy is a choice, but I don't want you to think that I'm telling you you have to choose to be joyful. Actually, what you must choose to do is acknowledge God, which is where joy comes from. So truly, joy is a choice, but what you're doing in your choice is you're choosing to believe that joy comes from God. It's a gift from God, given to all those who have acknowledged Christ. It's given to us by His Holy Spirit, the supernatural, mysterious kind of a thing. The psalmist in chapter 16, verse 11, acknowledges the fullness of joy in God's presence in these words. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Listen very carefully. The more aware we are of God's presence in our lives and accepting of that, the more fully we experience joy. So the world around us would say, choose joy, just like I'm telling you to choose joy. But the world around us, in saying choose joy, they're probably telling you to look deep within, find the strength to feel happy in the midst of difficult circumstances. But what I'm telling you is that the choice for joy is for you to look somewhere else, and that is to God. Become aware of His presence in your life and submitting to it, And in that, you will more fully experience joy. Now, in the Old Testament, as I've mentioned, certainly in the Jewish tradition we see in the New, and maybe in your own life, when there is an occasion for joy, uh, oftentimes it's associated with a celebration or a festival. In the New Testament, the place we see the greatest amount of joy is in the birth of Jesus. So it's appropriate we talk on it. This just two days before Christmas. Now, if you'll look in Luke chapter 1, we read the account of the birth of Jesus, and we're going to see a lot about the people who felt great joy at this um, this happening. Now, just to bring you up to speed, Mary in Luke chapter 1 finds out she's pregnant. She's visited by an angel who tells her she's pregnant. She's so excited about this, she's going to go and visit her cousin, Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth is also pregnant. And when she comes to Elizabeth, something unique happens. And it's significant, I should say, that Elizabeth is pregnant because Elizabeth is pregnant with uh, the man or the boy that will grow up to become a man named John the Baptist. And his role in God's redemptive plan is to prepare the way for Jesus, to announce that the Messiah has arrived. So here is the scenario. Mary and Joseph go and visit Elizabeth and Zechariah. They walk into their house, and here's what happens. Luke chapter 1, verse 41. Read along if you have your Bible open. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. What is clear is that the arrival of the Savior in the womb of Mary is an occasion of great joy. Elizabeth somehow was aware of this special presence of God The baby within Elizabeth was aware of this special presence of God. Both of them responded with joy. It manifested itself physically. They were moved physically because of the joy they felt being in the presence of God. All of God was in the womb of this Virgin Mary. Now, the joy did not stop there for this family. The celebration did not stop there. Certainly, Mary felt joy. She rejoiced. By singing a song. How many of you like to sing? I didn't ask who's good at it. How many of you like to sing? Like you're, I don't know about you. And I, I, I'm like slightly below average uh, as a vocalist. Um, but I love to sing. And I, I love to, when I'm excited to sing. And I know it's a good day or a good week when I'm just just moved to singing songs of worship. One thing I love about J.J. is the songs that he chooses from week to week are, you can remember them, you know, going through your your week. And, and oftentimes they come to me as as I'm thinking about all the good that, that God has provided for us and is doing in our midst. I, I sing, well, here's Mary. And I suspect that her voice was much better than mine. Um, and, and she she's moved to sing this song called The Magnificat. And it's the Latin word, the Magnificat, is Latin for the word glorifies. It means glorifies. Now, this is a really significant song and section of Scripture for Christians throughout history. And there have been many people who have written scores to try to communicate uh, what, the, what the music behind these words would have sounded like. One of them was uh, uh, Bach in... Oh, um, 17, oh, I don't know. Uh, what did Wikipedia say? 1723, something like that. And, uh, and so I want us to listen to this, this song, just to give us an idea of the joy that she felt. Let's listen to it. I feel like I should have a glass of wine. Now, this is a, whether or not you like music, this song is really well known. It's being played all over the world at this time of the year. It's significant, and, and, and these composers tried to put together uh, sounds that help us think about this excitement that Mary felt knowing that she was pregnant with the Messiah, the long-anticipated Messiah. Now, what is, what is significant here... As the song is coming to an end, what is significant here is is that uh, is that Christians saw this moment, the arrival of the 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 baby in the womb of Mary, as is very exciting because it was the first advent or the the point in history. Where God was going to play out His final redemptive act, they were excited about God doing something in history to deliver them. And this this arrival of this baby in the womb of Mary was the beginning, the very first Advent, was it called? And of course, we are looking forward to the second Advent, right—the second coming of Jesus. But this is the song that Mary sings, Luke chapter one, verse forty-six. And what we see here is that. For Mary, joy is found in her own salvation because her life will never be the same. This is something she is very happy about. Joy is found in her own salvation because her life will never be the same. Look here in verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies. Now let's just stop there. This word magnifies is important. When we think of magnification, we can think of it in two ways. Magnification in the sense that We have a magnifying glass, and we're trying to take something really small and make it bigger so we can see it. That's a form of magnification. But the kind of magnifies, the word that she uses here is where you take something really big, and it literally means telescopes. So it's this idea that you take something really big, and you are able to bring it to your eyes so that you can begin to comprehend its awesomeness. So my soul magnifies. In other words, my soul takes something awesome and is beginning to understand its awesomeness. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servants. I want you to know something. A woman in this day was marginalized. And a young woman was really marginalized. A young woman from the people that she came from was, was, was not maybe considered by most as someone worthy to carry the Son of God. She's humble. She's a humble servant. For he's looked in the humble state of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. What this means for Mary is that her life will never be the same. She speaks of his faithfulness in verse 48 and his power and his holiness and his mercy. She will be forever remembered as the one whose womb was filled with God. She will receive a salvation that was formerly unavailable to her. She rejoices because of her personal salvation. Her life will never be the same. Do you know that joy is found in personal salvation? This salvation cannot be found in any other place than Jesus Christ. This is something that you ought to consider and certainly I want to remember. Joy is found in personal salvation. If you consider that apart from Christ we're lost, the Bible calls us dead, separated from God. But in Christ we find forgiveness of sin. We find new life. We're rescued from the domain of darkness. We're delivered into the kingdom of God's only son, Colossians 1 says. Joy is found in personal salvation for Mary, and I hope for you. Also, we see that joy is found in others being saved. Now, starting in verse 41, we see this rhythm here. It says, he has, and he has, and he has, and he has. And and the verb tense is what's called an aorist And what it means is that something has happened at a point in time and it has continuing effects. And so I say that only to help you understand what's going on here, because what she's about to say is that something has already happened. It's been completely, uh, it's completely uh, come true already, and people will just experience its lasting effects. So in her being pregnant, this God becoming flesh. Something has happened fully, but people are just going to begin experiencing the benefits of it. So here it is in verse 51. What's happened? He has shown strength with his arm. God has. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. This is what God is doing for people in the arrival of the Messiah. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He begins to execute justice. Verse 52, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. Now, has this happened all the way yet? No, but it's happening, and it will happen fully when Jesus returns. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy and as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. God had made a promise to Israel, and here it's coming true. Mary rejoices in the salvation that's made available to other people and specifically for her, Israel. Of course, we rejoice knowing that the salvation that was once for only Israel is now available for everybody, for every tongue, every tribe, every nation. We rejoice because of a salvation that's available to all people. There's nothing that stirs joy in me more than when I consider the lives of the people in our, in our midst who have been changed because of the good news of Jesus Christ. And one way that these people let others know publicly that they've been transformed, forgiven of their sin, and, and uh, given a new life in Christ is through the act of baptism. Now, we have done baptisms several different ways as a church, and we like to keep it fresh and different. And we did a baptism service last Sunday afternoon, and we did it at our office, which is just a couple of blocks away. And so we have a brief video showing uh, that these three people were baptized. That's Eric Rodriguez and Carl and Jill Jarvis. So Carl and Jill are right here. And I think I see Joe down there too. That's um, their son. And then Eric, I saw Eric come in in the back. Eric's right there in the back. So all of them have come to our church since we've begun. And so uh, I just want to show this brief video to, so that we can rejoice together in it. Do we have audio for that, Andrew? should have heard what i was saying it was really moving yeah i was saying hey eric um this water's cold i know one of my favorite things about this is that um is that we're there right in front of the highway in 45 and just a massive humanity you know So there we are. Let's let's thank the Lord for that. Okay, we just together. So we rejoice, right? We rejoice in the salvation that's made available to all people. And there are some of you here today that have never received the forgiveness of your sin. And so I want you to know that salvation is available to you. When those very first people gathered around Mary and rejoice because of this baby in her womb. They certainly were happy because she was pregnant. Here's Susie Walker sitting right here, and she's pregnant, and we rejoice, right? We're excited. But for them, the excitement was something more because it meant salvation was available to them and to all people. This little baby was a manifestation of God's presence in a new way. The power of God was going to be put on display. And this thing about joy is it's something that all those that are in Christ have access to because of God throughout their lives, no matter if things are going well or if things are going bad. Can you imagine a joy deep within you that bubbles up even in the midst of difficulty? If you are dependent upon yourself to create that joy, and you begin going, I'm going to be joyful no matter what, when things get bad, that joy is lost. There's no joy to be found. If you're dependent upon God, saying, God, I trust you, no matter what, salvation has been made available to me and to all people, I trust you, even when things get bad, that joy can bubble up. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 8 we see that joy is something that characterizes the christian's life on earth though you have not seen him you love him peter here's talking to those believers some of those first believers that that uh, heard the good news of jesus christ and responded in faith after jesus ascended into heaven though you ha- Have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Christian life can be characterized by real joy. So with all this, I want you to know that joy dares to gladly acknowledge God today believing that someday we will live fully in the presence of God. Will you be able to experience the fullness of joy right now? No, because we're still in process and we're still looking forward to that day when Jesus returns and restores all that's broken. And within that time and in that place, we can fully experience the presence of God where there is the fullness of joy. But joy dares to gladly acknowledge God today. Do you believe that? Would you bow your heads?